Good morning. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we are so glad that you're here. You're our honored guest. I know we have many that are joining us on social media, and we welcome you as well. In our worship service this morning, uh, Brother Chris Langley will be leading us in singing. Brother Merle Crow will have our opening prayer. Brother Cameron Jumper has the scripture reading. Brother Ken Forrest, the lesson this morning. Uh, Brother Billy Martin has the Lord's Supper. And then Brother 
Jerry Barrett will have announcements and closing prayer. And at the end of services, uh, Brother Martin will also have a special presentation for the congregation because next week is a fifth Sunday and all of the contribution next week will go towards debt reduction and he'll give some background information on that. I know our nation is in crisis. I'm so thankful that we can uh, worship openly this morning. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we recognize that you are all-powerful and that ultimately you are in control of everything, including our destiny. And we pray your special care to be with us as a nation. Uh, we need your help. And Father, we pray that you would be with us this morning, that you would accept our worship. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. medley of some short songs and then after that uh, we'll be led in prayer. Praise God.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the blessings. We thank you for the opportunity to come to the house to worship you. May we do it in spirit and truth. Be with us now as we go through this service. Be around, uh, Brother Ron, that he will, uh, uh, Brother Ken, as he will uh, help us to do the things that are, and tell us the things we need to do, and we'll do them in a pleasing, pleasant manner. Ask you now to bless us as we go through life. We know we have many that are sick. We know that we have many that are bereaved, are suffering from other causes. Just be with them and help them. Help us to be a uh, benefit to them, to uh, be a benefit to you. Let our let your light shine through us as we go on through life. Bless us and keep us and bless uh, the uh, service as we go through it. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're using your song books, you may mark number 927, number 927 for the song of encouragement. For the prayer and the, the lesson of the hour, we'll sing number 40, only a step.
8, number 35 through 38. Acts chapter 8, 35 through 38. I'll be reading from the King James Version. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went both down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Good morning, everybody. Terrific to see you here today. Hope you've had an outstanding week full of all kinds of opportunities that you took advantage of. And now you sit here the first day of a week before you with all kinds of hopes for a successful week. And I pray that God will grant that to you. The news about the flooding in Tennessee to me was unexpected, but there are some tragedies that are happening. I read the news this morning. There were about 10 people, at least at that point, that had died in the flooding, with 40-some people missing. We have members of this congregation who have friends and family in those areas, and we want to be praying for the very best possible outcome. I know that Jim and Janita, in fact, are planning to travel to that area tomorrow in search of an aunt. So a lot of people are affected. You perhaps know of some folks, and we're just saddened to hear about that. James Hester was telling me that there actually was a tornado that went through Iuka last night. And so I'm concerned about that, too, as first I'd heard of that incident. And there's just, there's so much going on around us that can easily distract us. Now, we need to be concerned because these are effects on people's lives. But our ultimate concern are the things of God. So as we deal with tragedies or setbacks, well, let's keep our focus in the right place and continue doing our work for the Lord despite what in many cases are just severe hindrances. And of course we pray for all of these things, but we trust the Lord for the very best outcome. Today we're going to be talking some about opportunities and relevance to our life as related to the gospel. If you've not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, then this study today should be of special import to you. If you have obeyed the gospel, then I hope you also realize that there are opportunities for you and things that are still relevant in your life. And if you've forsaken the Lord in any way, I pray that you'll take advantage of this opportunity today to make things right. What hinders me? That's our question for today. Before we start, let's pray to God that he'll bless us and we'll pray for these concerns as well. 
Father in heaven, thank you for the blessing of today. The only time that we have right here in this moment. But we hear of news of things happening around us in the last day or two. And we're praying your blessings on those who are affected. We pray for those who are in the flood region. We know that there has been loss of life, so we pray comfort for those who are affected directly. We pray strength for that community and protection for those who are responders that are offering help and support. And for those who have been displaced and, and lost, we just pray that every best outcome will, will be the result. We pray for the church in that area, that its actions will glorify you. And if there's something that we can do in support of those tragedies, we pray that that will be made known to us and that we'll act on it. We pray for uh, the results of inclement weather in our own area, and we pray for those affected. We pray for the virus that continues to ravage our land and is most prominent right here in this very state. So we pray protection over our family here. And for those who are infected, we just pray for a light case. And certainly we pray for their recovery. But Lord, in this moment, our attention is on you. It's a time of our worship where we are to glorify and honor you. And I pray that all these heavy distractions can be put out of our minds so that we can hear you speak to us today. I pray, Father, that if there are hindrances in our lives that stand in the way of our salvation, that you will remove those hindrances. Whether we think it's in the form of our opportunities or the relevance of it to our lives, help us to be able to answer the question, what hinders us? Thank you, Father, for your word and for this particular message. I pray you'll help me to communicate it the best way that I'm able to do. And then I pray for those who hear it that they will be able to receive your message and to make good and full use of it. In Jesus' name, amen. The fact is that a lot of people, they procrastinate over things. I know students procrastinate. I hear stories from my wife, who is a school teacher, all the time. You make an assignment that has a few days incorporated into it, but what happens? Students wait until the very last possible moment to work on the assignment. Some people will even go beyond the time, thinking that maybe there'll be some way to make it up. They just procrastinate and some go way too far. Taxpayers sometimes procrastinate. When it's time to file income tax on April the 15th, here's the thing. That has been the date for filing my entire lifetime. And yet many people will wait until the very day in order to file their taxes. And some of them get in trouble over that. One year, 
I waited, procrastinated with my taxes. But I knew I'd be able to get it done because I had this fancy new computer that I was going to put a new operating software in. It was brand new. It was called Windows. Have you ever heard of it? Well, I loaded Windows onto that computer and the operating system was so big that it took up all of the memory on that computer. In fact, it so, it so took over that computer that it would no longer operate. And maybe this you will remember too, my dot matrix printer. So I, here I was in a terrible dilemma. It's April 15th. I haven't done my taxes. Now my computer is filled up with this one operating system and won't work or run the printer. I had to file an extension that year. Sometimes people just anticipate how it's going to be, but boy, they get in trouble because they procrastinate. The worst possible scenario for procrastination has to do with your salvation. Waiting too long to obey the Lord. Now, the scripture actually gives some valid reasons why a person would not obey the gospel. But for many people, it's not reasons that stand in the way of their not obeying the gospel. It's more like excuses. Some people will say, for instance, you know what, I've, I've just not had the opportunity to obey the gospel. I'm going to tell you this morning that opportunity is not a hindrance. Here's why I say that initially. It is that I know God has made it possible for every single person to obey the gospel. In Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, that scripture tells us that God himself has determined when we're going to live and where we are going to live for the express purpose of making it possible that we might grope for him and possibly find him, though he is very near to each one of us. And so this conclusion in verse 30, the times of this ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. There was a time perhaps, but God says that time is gone. Now the command is you repent. The gospel is ubiquitous. If you are seeking God and hope to find him, you can grope out there and he's not far. You'll find him if, if you want to find him. If you want the opportunity. I want to laugh, although it would rather draw me to tears. To think of the many people who have had multiple opportunities to obey the gospel, to obey the Lord, and to secure their salvation. But when I read in the scriptures, I find that it only takes one opportunity for a person 
to accept the truth and to respond to it. I think first of what happened as is recorded in Acts chapter 2, when the gospel was preached for the very first time. Jesus had died on the cross. He had walked among men. He has ascended to the Father. He's given his disciples the responsibility of going into all the world and preaching the gospel. Forthcoming, there will be the initial presentation of the gospel on the day of Pentecost. And Peter and the other apostles stand up among the Jews that are there, representative of every nation on earth. They preach the gospel to that multitude of people, and it's amazing. There is an immediate response. The first time these people ever hear the gospel in its entirety, they respond to it. In verse 41, it says that those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to him to them. The very first time these people heard the gospel, they responded to it. They obeyed the gospel. Some people look at that and they say, Ken, that is not my experience. I go out and I preach the gospel to people or I teach Bible studies. And it isn't the initial study, usually not even the second or third, Ken. I've had studies with people, eight, nine, ten studies before they ever obeyed the gospel. Peace. I know. I've had lots of studies like that. But that isn't what's happening here. These people heard the gospel for the very first time and they responded to it. It was not a knee-jerk reaction. You know, that's what happens sometimes. There's a, there's a gospel meeting that happens. A bunch of people respond, obey the gospel. We say, well, they were just overwhelmed with emotion. You know, they got caught up in the moment. That's not what happened with these folks. It was not just an emotional plea, although they were cut to the heart. This resulted in a spiritual transformation because they came to realize that they had crucified the Son of God. They were guilty. But what they were ultimately guilty of was sin, personal sin. And the only thing that was going to wipe that sin away was the blood of Jesus Christ that was going to be found in their obedience to the gospel. They heard that message the first time and they responded to it. In fact, verse 42 says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. You see, it wasn't just a knee-jerk reaction. It was a wholesale change that began there and continued on. Took advantage of the first opportunity. I love that. But that isn't the only case. What we just read together from Acts chapter 8 is an example of another case of a person hearing the gospel for the very first time. In this case, it's the Ethiopian eunuch who's already been to Jerusalem. He has purchased the scroll of Isaiah and he's riding back home reading from Isaiah chapter 53. Philip is instructed to join himself to that chariot and what ensues is a conversation about that text. But in the conversation, it is Philip who draws the connection between the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 and Jesus Christ. And in that conversation concerning Jesus Christ, apparently, the matter of baptism came up. You know baptism, the death, burial, and resurrection. 
That's Jesus dying for us, shedding his blood, and rising again from the grave the third day. Just as Jesus was buried and he rose again the third day, the blood being shed for the forgiveness of men's sins, so too, through baptism, was the transformation to occur. The, as they're traveling along, they see some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And this is what the eunuch said. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So they commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Here's another case of a person hearing the gospel for the very first time. Immediately in response to that gospel message, the Ethiopian eunuch realized that he was in sin, and he needed to have his sins washed away. So he responded by confessing his belief that Jesus is the Son of God, and he was buried in water to have his sins washed away. The very first time he had the opportunity, he responded to the gospel. Now, invariably, someone will say, well, what about the lost tribe out there in Africa somewhere? I don't know about them. I know nothing about a lost tribe, one that's never heard the gospel. It's amazing to me, I've been to a place that is named Duviara, which literally means the dropping off place, the end of the gate. If you were drawing a map of the world, it would be the edge where you're supposed to fall off. I've been there. They wear Coca-Cola t-shirts. <laughs> I mean... Coca-Cola got there, and so did the gospel. I don't know who the hypothetical people are who never hear the gospel, but here's what I do know. When a person hears the gospel and has the opportunity to obey it, if they're convinced of its truth, they obey it. Now, as pertains to us, I'm not sure how many times we have heard the gospel or the pleas to get our life right, but I'm pretty sure it's been more than once. Most of us have heard that message our entire lives, and some, having heard that message over and over and over again, have yet to obey it. What hinders me from being baptized? Is it opportunity? I, I would suggest to you it is absolutely not opportunity. Opportunity is not the problem. Is it relevance to my life? You know, is it possible that the gospel is just not for me? It's not relevant for my life. I'm going to tell you that relevance is not the hindrance either. Is the gospel relevant? Well, listen to Jesus. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. If you want to be saved, you know the gospel is relevant. If you don't obey the gospel, you're condemned. I mean, is it relevant? <laughs> yeah. Because if I don't obey it, 
I'm going to be condemned. So I know it's relevant to me, no doubt about it. Let's look at it another way. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. This is actually the top part of a long quotation from the Old Testament scriptures. But actually, this statement kind of sums up everything else. So we can save ourselves some time. And you know how it is with me. I just like it simple, simple, simple. So Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. Okay, so question, is it relevant to me? Am I okay if I don't obey the gospel? Well, first of all, let's just look at the whole picture. There is none. None means there's zero. There, are, there is none righteous, not even one. Okay, somehow, even if I thought I were the exclusion, I were the only one of 8 billion people, he even rules that out. None righteous, not even one. So it's relevant. Uh, verse 23 of that same text for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now we're moving in the right direction. Everybody has sinned. A-L-L. However, there is hope for redemption, but that is found in Jesus Christ. Why is that true? That's true because John 1 verse 29 and other passages teaches that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It is the blood of Jesus, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, that washes sin away. Without the shedding of blood, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, there is no remission. Jesus' blood is what makes possible the remission or the forgiveness of sins. Okay, let's back up a minute. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 21. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile and return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He said, by the blood of Jesus, Jesus' sacrifice, dying on the cross, you had your sins washed away. But remember, you once were a people going astray because of sin, separation from God, but now you've been brought in. You've been brought in because of obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, having been washed by the blood of Jesus, that blood that washes sins away. That's the message that Paul referred to as the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you have received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. That form of doctrine is what we obey when we are baptized into Christ. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Or do you not know? 
that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There's the message of the gospel. There's the relevance of the gospel to your life. And it really boils down, again, to a very simple thing. As regards one's relationship with God, to him, either you are in Christ or you are, as the scripture says, without Christ. Now, to be without Christ doesn't necessarily mean you don't have him near. It means you are on the outside, without. You are on the outside. You are either in Christ or you are outside of Christ. You're either in sin or you're forgiven of sin. You're either saved or you are lost. There's no gray area here. There's no big question mark. I can know if I'm a saved person or not. I can know if I'm in Christ or out of Christ. And let me tell you, that's a very significant and important distinction to make. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, it says that at one point you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Listen, having no hope and without on the outside of Christ in the world. But now in Christ, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What put us in Christ? What brought us near? What made it possible for God to look at me and recognize me as a saved person? It was obedience to the gospel. It was being buried in water to have my sins washed away. It was that. If someone says I've not had the opportunity, that's the problem. That's what's hindering me. Someone says... It's just not relevant to me. That, that's wrong. That's wrong. So what is it that hinders me? I'll tell you exactly what it is. I hinder me. What hinders you? You hinder you. The thing that's standing in the way of my salvation is not the opportunity to obey, because I have that. It's not relevance to my life, because I'm a sinner. The hindrance right now is just me. I'm standing in my way. Now, I said in the beginning that there were some scripturally relevant, identifiable reasons for not obeying the gospel. And when I said that, you might have just put a little question mark there, like, Wait, what? When would the scripture ever tell me that this is a reason for not obeying the gospel? Actually, one of those reasons would be if I don't believe. If you don't believe, you're not qualified to obey the gospel. Now, unbelief is a serious thing. You remember back in Mark 16, at verse 16, the last part of what we read there about Jesus' great commission? He says that whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever does not believe shall be condemned. If you don't believe, you are condemned. So you can't obey the gospel if you don't believe. 
Belief is a prerequisite to obedience to the gospel. I can't just bury you in this water and you be saved. You first must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that God raised Him up from the dead. That's the whole matter of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If you don't believe that, there's no sense in just burying you in this water. Belief is absolutely significant. I said it was the prerequisite. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 sets that up as, as well as any passage that I know of. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In order to obey the gospel, I first must believe. It is for those who believe, Jew first and also for the Greek. I want to obey the gospel. Well, in order to obey the gospel, to be buried in Jesus Christ, I first have to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. God raised him from the dead. And so when I go through that act of the death, burial, and resurrection... I'm going through the very thing that I attest to, the thing I suggest, confess, that I believe. I'm going to say it most people that are here today, even if you haven't obeyed the gospel, you do believe in Jesus. I'm just thinking that's true. You believe in Jesus. You even believe Jesus as the Son of God. God raised him from the dead. You've heard that maybe all your life. You're good with that. Okay, then that isn't anything that stands in your way. Terrific, you believe. For some people, it's not that. Some people, it's ignorance. Some people may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but they may be ignorant about a lot of other things related to that. May not even see the importance of being baptized as the significant closing portion of obedience to the gospel. What do you mean, ignorance? Well, Paul dealt with a lot of that, you know, as he went various places. And in Romans chapter 10, he said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Their problem isn't that they didn't believe in God or have a belief. The problem is that they would not give in to the truth about Jesus. They would not accept what God said about his own son. And so they were inserting their own kind or form of righteousness. So what's the remedy to that? Teach people. A little bit later in this very same chapter, Romans 10 verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, there's the remedy to ignorance. Even a person who believes in God may not believe all about Jesus, but that's simply because they haven't been taught. Oh, oops. I already told you that. Remember? We're talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and how that's 
burial in water, and you had to believe first. And so you believe, you confess your faith, you're ba- you know, <laughs> ignorance is not an excuse either. So let's see, I believe, and I'm not ignorant of what God's requiring of me. So I have that. What would be left? It, it might just be, might just be that we're impenitent. We believe, and we know what we need to do. It's just that we don't want to change our life. We don't want to repent. You know, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the first thing that they were told to do when they asked, what must we do? Repent and let every one of you be baptized. Repent. Oh, got to repent. Got to change your mind. To repent means you change your mind, your heart, and you no longer desire the sin that you turned from. That's a change of mind and a change of action. Jesus makes it pretty plain, although it's a different context, the principle is the same in Luke chapter 13 at verse 3, and then he restates it at verse 5. Unless you repent, you will perish. Well, that reminds us of Jesus' great commission to start with, right? Be saved or perish. That's, that's the choice I have to make. So if I'm not willing to repent, if I love my sin more than I love salvation, I won't obey the gospel. Think about that for a minute. I'm not going to be saved because I love sin. Now you understand sin brings eternal death. So whatever it is you love about it is temporary. But now think about what you're saying. I love sin more than I love eternal salvation. You are your very worst enemy. You are what hinders you from obeying the truth. See, right here, here's water. What hinders you from being baptized? I mean, it's, it's right, listen. I don't know if you hear that or not. It's right there. Opportunity and rele- relevance. The opportunity is yours now. And the relevance to your life exists right now. There will come a time when there is no longer opportunity or relevance. Now, I want to tell you a story. It comes from Luke chapter 16, but I want to just look at verse 26 specifically, and I'll set it up for you. This is a story about the rich man and Lazarus. When they died, the rich man went to torment, and Lazarus went to paradise. And the situation was so dire that Lazarus is there in the bosom of Abraham looking on the plight of the rich man. The rich man was in torment. He was asking if Lazarus could be sent to him 
so that he could take his finger and dip it in water to produce a drop of water to put on the tongue of the rich man. But alas, there was a problem according to this verse. And that is that there was a gap between them. Impassable. You can't go from one side to the other. The gap was described as a great gulf. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty. Rich man could not pass. His opportunity and the relevance to his life was gone. No more opportunities, no more relevance because he was dead. And there was no way for him to have salvation, not even to have a drop of water on his tongue. But you don't have that situation. You have both opportunity and relevance right now. Can you imagine if that rich man could walk 30 steps from the back of this church building to the front here to confess Jesus and be buried in water to have his sins away? I'm telling you, he'd make them five steps as he ran down that short little hill. If you're sitting in the balcony, you have to add 20 steps to navigate those stairs. And here you come. You are that close to salvation. Do not let opportunity and relevance leave your life. Obey the gospel while you still have opportunity and relevance to do so. And if you've obeyed the gospel, but you have forsaken your Lord, 30 steps will save your soul. If there's anybody who needs to respond, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing. Why?
Hallelujah. What a Savior. their Lord's Supper emblems, if you would please raise your hand and the ushers will see that you get these. It was Jesus himself who instituted the Lord's Supper. He commanded this, do in remembrance of me. If you would please turn to Luke chapter 24, verses 5, 6, and 7. Luke 24, 5, 6, and 7. <clears throat> And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye living among the dead? He is not here, but he but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Would please bow for the bread. Dear Heavenly Father, we bow in remembrance of your Son, so thankful for spiritual blessings through him. Father, we pray now that as we partake of this bread, his body, that we'll examine it ourselves, and we pray that it be acceptable to thee. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now let us 
pray for the cup. And likewise, man and father, we bow once again, just thanking thee for thy son, for his birth, his life, his death, and resurrection. Father, we pray that as we partake of this cup, that we remember the blood that was shed upon the cross. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We also have an opportunity to give upon the first day of the week, and there are many ways to do that. Uh, again, a plate is at uh, each exit here, or you can do it online or actually bring it by the bank. But uh, let us bow for thanking God for all our blessings. Father, we're so thankful for all the many blessings of life, thankful for all the material blessings that we have. Father, we just pray that we'll all, always be the stewards that you would have us to be. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Uh, there were 96 at the 8:30, and 131 are here now, so that's 227. Also, those at home, we thank you for worshiping with us. You may not be here, but we are all together, and we pray for those of you that are at home with the virus, and uh, we pray for your speedy recoveries. Um, Ken, thank you for that message this morning. Uh, it's very well put and it sinks in. Uh, just a few things on announcements before uh, Billy comes back up. Uh, the New Albany Church, for those that don't have a bulletin at home, the New Albany Church of Christ will hold a, host a widowhood workshop August 28th and 29th. If you're interested in attending, see Merle Crow. Uh, this week, the food pantry item is sugar. Sugar is the food pantry item this week. Also, out in the foyer, check by the card ministry table in the foyer to see how you might encourage someone. There's always somebody and everybody needs encouraging. And just uh, again, we will continue to meet at 8.30 each Sunday. Mask will be required. And the 10.30 service will go on until further notice. Having our prayers this morning, our brother Lewis Holloway, as he's asked for all of us to have him in our prayers. And uh, if there's anything I missed, I'm sorry. But please, no, I won't give him a... Closing prayer, that will be Billy. But that's all the announcements, and Billy's up next. As Brother Jim mentioned earlier, this next Sunday will be the fifth Sunday in August, August the 29th, and the contributions from that day will go towards debt reduction. I want to just give you a brief over overview of kind of where we were, where we are, and kind of where we're going. 
what uh, all the improvements that we made. The project's completed. After remodeling the education wing, we did this debt-free in uh, 2018. We had funds to make those improvements. The congregation also completed the following capital projects during 2019 and 2020 at a cost of over $611,000. What we did, we set up a construction loan basically where we got draws to where we could complete each project. One of those projects was the annex and the remodel of that. And we all get to benefit from all the, the, the functionality of that now. It's much bigger, very nice. And not only us, I mean, friends and family get to use that as well, as well as the communities impacted by the remodel of the annex. We also uh, completed the parking lot project where we uh, repaved some of the parking lot and uh, restriped it. And the windows, we replaced all the windows in the building. And as you well know and can see, that enhanced our uh, appeal to our property, but also was very efficient in the cost of uh, heating and cooling. And then last but not least, we also uh, installed the new electronic sign located south of the building here, which get a lot of compliments on that and, and a lot of information, good information. So after the completion of this, we basically termed out the construction loan, which is again over $611,000. We actually reduced that amount to term this loan out $596,826. We put this on a repayment of 20 years, which that maturity will be June 2040. We, the interest rate is 3.25, and we've also budgeted each month $3,385 toward this. Fast forward to today, the current debt in August 2021 is $539,596. As you can see, this 30, almost $34,000, we're ahead of schedule paying this debt off. The early payment saves the congregation $27,000 on interest expense that we do not have to pay. Our current payoff date is now January 2039. 17 months ahead of schedule. Next Sunday, contributions will go toward the, this note. All of next week, uh, contributions will go toward this note, and historically it's been about $18,000. $18,000 contribution will decrease the debt balance to 519000 in September. This will save the congregation another $13,000 in interest expense. We cut another nine months off the payoff of this debt. It's now April 2038. Every $10 given next week will save us approximately over $7 in future interest expense, allowing us to pay off the debt earlier. This week, we ask that you just be in prayer and consider giving specifically towards the reducing of this debt. 
We all enjoy these facilities and everything that we have now. And again, thank you so much for your generosity, the eldership, the deacons, ministers, and all the leaders of the church. Appreciate everything that you do and continue to do all the work here in Boomble. If you have any questions, please let me know. I'll be glad to answer anything that I can. I want to thank Jeremy Jones for organizing this presentation. And this is all I have at this time. If you would, please stand for a closing prayer. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we bow with humble hearts, recognizing you as an awesome God, as a creator of heaven and earth. Father, we're so thankful for this first day of the week that we can assemble together, be united in our faith. We pray, Father, as we go through this week, we'll ask ourselves what hinders us from obeying the gospel, from being the obedient child that you would have us to be. So thankful for all the many second chances we have father for forgiveness we love you father we pray for all those who are sick those who are hurting in ways maybe we know nothing about we pray your blessings be upon them all the caregivers we realize there's so many sick father and we just continue to pray for them and pray that their health be restored we just pray father that thy will be done father be with us as we go through this week we, we do love you, Father, and we just pray that any opportunity we have that we will be found doing your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.